0: Hi there, this is Watchin, and you are now listening to the I Choose the Ladder podcast, a podcast for Black women on the corporate climb. In today's episode, I am in conversation with Nicole White, the general counsel and assistant secretary at Avis Young. Nicole joined Avis Young in 2015 and serves as legal counsel to Avis Young personnel in connection with the hiring. Engagement and compensation of professional and other personnel. She also serves as counsel to Avis Young's human resources function. Prior to joining Avis Young, Nicole was an attorney for Allstate Insurance Company, where she provided advice and counseling to human resources on various employment issues, including hiring, discipline, discharge, and disability accommodations. Additionally, Nicole managed and directed federal and state employment and general commercial litigation matters handled by outside counsel. Nicole earned her JD from DePaul University College of Law, and she received her undergraduate degree in psychology from the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. She's also a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. During this conversation, we talked about everything from religion to being comfortable to taking risks. And so I hope that you walk away from the conversation with Nicole with tons of gems that you can apply to your own career today. Hi, Nicole. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. So when I read that you were a woman in commercial real estate, I was shocked, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's not really who you see. I'm like, wait, is she a leasing agent? And Danny was like, No, she's actually <laughs> one of our senior executives here. I'll connect you. So I'm really excited to talk to you about your journey and how you got to be a woman working in commercial real estate. Uh, but before we get there, um, do you remember what your first like big girl corporate job was? Uh, probably right out
1: of law school okay. um, at Allstate Insurance Company uh, was my first big girl job. I did not work between undergrad and law school. I went straight through. So. Okay. Um, That was my first big girl job.
0: And how did you decide that that's where you
1: wanted to be? Or did you
0: even decide?
1: You know, honestly, it was really kind of the opportunity that presented itself at the time. Um, It was right before the market crashed for lots of industries, but the, the legal profession in particular. So I was coming out of law school at a time when there weren't a lot of legal jobs. I had interned with Allstate. Um, the summer before my so my second summer of law school had a great experience loved it and they said hey we want you to come back when you graduate and I didn't want to test the market and see what else was out there so I said look I'm, I'm I had a great
0: experience this seems like a great place to start my career. Okay and so obviously you went to law school which is a choice that you always know that you want to be in law?
1: I would say for much of my life yes um, so my parents were both attorneys so I kind of grew up, you know, seeing or being exposed to their work. And that was always interesting and exciting for me. Um, so I would say for much of my adult life, I do think I kind of, I knew I wanted to go into the the legal profession. I just wasn't sure, you know, what discipline within the legal profession.
0: Um, and when you got to Allstate, what were you doing?
1: So at Allstate, I was... Um, Primarily working as an employment lawyer, um, you know, under some other more senior employment lawyers in their um, commercial litigation department. So I was just handling a lot of employment litigation against the company. Um, Mm -hmm. I was also uh, advising human resources and other internal clients on how to deal with different
0: employee um, issues and things like that. And were there a lot of black women in the company when you started, in your department?
1: So interestingly, yes, in my, on my team, there were, um, but I would say large, you know, when you look at the department as a whole, not so much. So the team of employment lawyers that I work with, there were actually, um, two other African American women and and an Asian American woman and a white woman. So it's a very diverse team. Wow. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. And my direct, um, manager was an African American woman and I had worked with her, Um, When I interned, and interestingly enough, when um, I was joining the company, they initially said, look, you can't work in the litigation group unless you have prior litigation experience, so you're going to have to work in some other um, practice group within the law department, Okay. which was disappointing to me because I really wanted to, you know, I liked the employment work. It was very interesting to me. So that was kind of my initial expectation, but apparently um, the woman who went on to become my boss, Judy... Um, she said, look, you know, I really like her, I want her on my team, and I will take the time to train her Um, and to teach her, you know, some of those things that we would expect someone to learn, you know, in prior practice and that we would look for. And so it was really someone kind of looking at me and saying, you know what, I want to invest in her. And so I would say, I know we'll talk a little bit about sponsors, but I would say she was my first sponsor. Okay.
0: And had you worked with her when you were an intern?
1: I did. But, but not, you know, interns, what, 10 weeks. So, you know, we may have worked on one or two things and I think we really just sort of connected on a more personal level. Okay. And so that was
0: kind of, um, I would say what opened the door. Because the thing that first came to mind is, I wonder what you did during that time that made her confident to be able to expend her capital on you, right? Mm-hmm. Someone that she'd only worked with mm-hmm. for maybe one or two projects over 10 weeks. Right. What do you think that was?
1: Well, I think um, I will tell you this. While I do think I'm, I'm smart and bright and all those things, I will tell you I'm not the smartest. I'm not the brightest. I'm not the best. But I think what I do very well that maybe other people don't, who maybe are smarter or brighter or those types of things, but focus on building the interpersonal relationships with people. I have always thrived on relationships. Mm -hmm. So um, when I worked with... When I knew that I wanted to do some employment work that summer, I sought out that team and said, hey, I'd like to have lunch with you. Mm -hmm. We sat down together. We had lunch. I asked them about what they do. I was consistent about asking to be involved in different projects, even if I was just listening in on a telephone conversation that Mm -hmm. they were having with a client. Um, And then after that summer... I was very intentional. I didn't want them to think that I was only interested in what you had to say to the extent that you could potentially offer me a job. Mm. I'm very interested in your path generally. So I was consistent about following up every month or so. Just wanted to let you know what's going on with me as I'm finishing up my third year of law school. Here's a class I took or I saw this in the news. It made me think about you. But just continuing to keep in touch with people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was something that she really valued when it came time for them to actually make a job offer, and um, like I said, at that time, the market was declining, so I wasn't even certain there would be any offers, but Mm -hmm. I knew that these
0: were people that I still just wanted to have in my circle as I was starting my career. Got it, got it. so, intentional about owning the communication with the yes. women that, or the people within that network as yeah. it pertained to your career. Because mm-hmm. I know that a lot of times people are scared, right? Like, they don't have the confidence that when they're in an internship, it be a grad school internship, an undergrad internship, to say, hey, I want to learn more about you. Yeah. And I think what people don't know is people love to talk about themselves. So mm. they are happy. Yes. And when you're an intern, you're not a threat to them. You're not trying to take Correct. your job, right? So that's they right. will share freely. Right. Um, that's awesome. And so you talk about her as being a sponsor. During the course of your career, have you had formal sponsors and mentors? And if so, how did you get them?
1: Yeah, I I want to say I, I have probably had formal mentors, and in fact, I know I've had formal mentors. Okay, but I would say that the informal mentors have been have had the greatest influence on me. Okay, um, and I've had many, and that's probably one of my um, just biggest. Um, Biggest recommendations that I can give to other young women is mentors shouldn't just be one or two. You should have many mentors mm-hmm. because and they shouldn't all look the same and do the same thing. Right. Because so many people are going to have so many different perspectives to mm-hmm. to offer to you. So, I, yeah, I've had both formal and informal mentors. But I think the ones that I have um, where the relationships have lasted um, are those that were more
0: informal that I just people I just kind of sought out and. Um, What does that look like, right? So, Because I think in our minds, you get a mentor, right? You go up to somebody, you say, hey, Nicole, can you be my mentor? And they're like, yes. Mm -hmm. That's not really how it works most of the time. And so in your experience, how have you gotten your mentors or how have they found you?
1: So um, generally I would say that it all starts with a relationship. So um, one mentor in particular that I had at Allstate Um, He was new to the organization. He was a vice president. And um, I actually, Judy, brought me along to uh, make a recommendation with him about settling a particular case. And she was going to let me kind of take the lead with this officer of the company to sort of tell him why we thought we should settle this case and what our recommendation would be for um, the settlement authority. And Mm -hmm. so I sat down and, and he was so... Um, genuine and sincere and thoughtful and just wanting to kind of understand who I was and what my role was with the company he knew I wasn't an officer or someone who really should be at his level if you will Mm -hmm. Um, so that was kind of my first um, uh, the first thing in my mind that said hmm you know this is someone who is very unique and he's different and and I think um, you know I like him. That was kind of the first thought was just that I like him. I never thought about him as a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, over time, I had other experiences with him um, in connection with my work where I was, you know, either giving him legal advice or having to bring him up to speed on an issue. And he was just always very, very warm, generous, authentic. And at one point, he may have said something like, oh, you know, I'd be happy to, to talk, you know, anytime if you ever want to talk about things outside of work, like your career. And I just took that as a mm-hmm. as an opening. Um, and I he said, you know, if, you want, if that's something you ever want to do, just don't hesitate to reach out to my assistant. And so I took him up on that, mm-hmm. reached out to his assistant and set up some meetings with him. And we started to kind of talk. And I mean, just a dynamic man. And he had a wealth of um, insight that he imparted to me that to this day I still still carry with me. Um, that's just one example. Sometimes someone doesn't open the door to you, but you see something that you like in someone else, mm-hmm. and you ask them, and it wouldn't be the first time you meet with them necessarily. You, you, maybe after a few interactions with the individual where you've had a legitimate basis to say, okay, you know what? This person really seems to carry some insight, right? They seem to walk with a certain ethic, and I really want to, I want to learn more about that. Mm-hmm. And I've had people that I've reached out to just in that respect and said, you know what? Um, I've really just enjoyed the encounters that we've had. And I think you're someone who might be able to help me in terms of just gaining more wisdom for my career. Would you be willing to have coffee with me sometime? And just opening the door that way. Like you said, people love to talk about themselves. Mm -hmm. And so they don't see you as a threat. And so I think that's something that um, we can't be afraid to do.
0: And kudos to Judy for bringing you in the room, man. That's amazing. Yeah. And But what gives you the... Like, why are you not scared to ask people for stuff? Ah, <sighs> that's a good question. Because a lot of times you get that's afraid because question. we tend to put people on pedestals, right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. He's the CEO. He's the SVP. And I'm this. Yeah. And so what makes you... Or how have you gotten to the place where you're like, I'm just asking? Yeah.
1: Well, I would say that most people think that way. Most people do think, you know what... Um, I, I can't ask this person, I can't approach this person. And so the result is that oftentimes people at those levels are not approached. Um, they don't tend to necessarily have a lot of people who are just genuinely interested in their paths. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, some people have found that to be refreshing um, and and yes, I can't say that, you know, inside I'm not kind of squealing and shaking and, you know, anxious about, you know, how to, to, to approach um, the conversation. But I will say sometimes I feel like I'm better with, I'm better at writing, right? Mm. So, um There have been times when I'd reach out to someone with an email that gives me kind of the time to formulate my thoughts and what I want to say and how I want to approach them. Mm -hmm. If I find that I'm a little more shy about making that first sort of verbal, um, you know, interaction with them.
0: Got it. And then outside of Judy and this man, are there any people, other people at Allstate where you were Mm -hmm. prior to here, who you feel like had an impact on where you are now?
1: Yeah, uh, prior to where I am now, so yes. not not folks within this company, right? Um, yeah, there there were a lot. Michelle Mays. Um, Michelle was the general counsel of Allstate for the majority of the time that I was there, okay. um, and she was just dynamic um, in her approach to leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a straight shooter; mm-hmm. she didn't hold back. So you know, what you see is what you get, and she was going to tell you exactly what she thought. And I really respected that about her, because I felt that with a lot of other um, leaders, you don't really know what they think about you. They'll say it to someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, They'll have these leadership meetings where they have, you know, discussions about people and, well, we think this about this person, or this person is lacking skills in this area, but no one would ever um, say those things to you directly. Mm -hmm and I love that about Michelle because she was great about telling me the things that she thought I did well, but she was also good at telling me the things that she thought I could work on. Mm -hmm. And um, she wasn't afraid to do that. And I think that's something that um, any good mentor should be able to do because it's easy to tell people, you know, what they want to hear and have those easy conversations. Mm -hmm. But it's really those, um, I call them fierce conversations. There's a book, by that same title, Fierce Conversations, that really talks about having very intentional, direct conversations um, that are just more meaningful in the long run. And so I felt that she was great at that.
0: Got it. And so you were at Allstate for a while, and then you decided to change industries. Um, So what was that decision process like? Like, Mm -hmm. how did you know that it was time to do something new? Mm -hmm. And how did you end up in commercial real estate of all things? Yeah, yeah.
1: So um I thought I loved employment law. I did, and I still do. But one of the things that Michelle always um, taught me, uh, well, a couple things, was um, don't be pigeonholed, right? Whether it's insurance, whether it's employment law, you want to be multidimensional. So don't allow yourself to be pigeonholed. And you're early enough in your career that you can enjoy and master employment law, but that you can also learn and master something else too. Mm. And so that was something that I was like, huh, wow. I um, always thought I would just be an employment lawyer for the rest of my life mm. and work at Allstate. Most of the people there had been there for their life. Um, they were called lifers. Michelle was someone who had come in from the outside, and she was only there four or five years before she left and moved on to something else. Mm. The other thing she taught me... Um, was always keeping ore in the water. And that was so what profound to me. Yes. Yeah. So let me unpack deep that.
0: This that is <laughs> let amazing. me unpack it.
1: It was deep to me too. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? I mean, this is, I need to be committed to this one company for the rest of my life. I mean, what do you mean? But her career was just totally reflective of that. She's had, you know, a lot of different positions with a lot of different organizations. Mm-hmm. And, Um, what she taught me was that if you're comfortable, you're not growing. Mm. So if you get comfortable at a place, you're not continuing to sharpen your skills. You're not continuing to develop yourself. And by learning new disciplines, right, you're constantly sharpening your skills. You have to be. Um, And by um, looking at new opportunities, you don't necessarily have to take them, but know what's out there, Mm -hmm. know what you're worth, test the water, and maybe you say, you know what, this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you say, you know what, there's something else that's better for me. Mm-hmm. And I found that, um, and a lot of other women leaders have told me this, but women in particular, and especially so with women in color, women of color, we don't tend to um, progress as far as our compensation is concerned um, unless we move outside of the organization. Mm. So once you're in an organization, you're only going to see incremental growth in terms of your compensation. But it's those lateral moves that really allow you to see those bigger, larger jumps in terms of your compensation that keep you more on par with what our male counterparts are earning.
0: And especially since we are known to not negotiate the starting salary anyway. Absolutely. So the impact is a, it's a lot bigger, right? Absolutely. Because again, the confidence thing, like we don't think that, We should ask for more. We don't have the language to ask for what we think we deserve. And we're just happy to be in the room. Um, And so the impact of not going somewhere else over the lifetime of your career could be huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did you know you were ready to leave?
1: Um, I knew that I was starting to get very comfortable. Um, I had gotten to a point where I could come in every day. I didn't necessarily feel like there were going to be any new challenges. There were um, certainly, I would say there was more challenging work to be done at the company, but the organization was very top-heavy. So Mm -hmm. all of that more complex work was being done by people who were kind of more senior Mm -hmm. than me. And the law department was probably 200 people at the time. So, uh, And I would say 60% of them were more senior than me. Mm -hmm. So the reality was, you know, I could sit here and stay here and do a good job, and people were happy with my work or another five or six years before I was probably going to move up or advance to something more, Mm -hmm. um, or I could um, look outside the organization. And I was really wrestling with that. I hadn't even um, decided in my mind that I was going to look elsewhere because a number of reasons. One, loved Allstate, Mm -hmm. loved the people, loved... Judy and the other managers that I had had loved my team. I mean, they were just... Judy was still there. Judy was still there, yes. Judy was still there, but I had moved to a new practice group, so I was working under another manager okay. who was also fabulous. And um, I just, like I said, I was comfortable. I was happy. I'm, you know, I'm. life is good. I had just had a baby. I said, you know, I've got the flexibility to you know, spend time at home with my family. I said, you know, why would I why would I rock the boat? Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew that as far as my career, I just wasn't growing, right? Mm-hmm. I was just kind of plateaued. So while I was just kind of, and I'm a very spiritual person, so I had spent a lot of time just kind of praying about what was going to be the next step mm-hmm. for me and what did it look like and should I stay or go and um, I saw this opportunity, this job posting come by for the position I have now. Okay. It was through a bar association. They just kind of circulate job postings every, you know, every now and then. And okay. so it came across and I said, oh, you know, that's interesting. But, you know, um, I'm, you know, I think I'm kind of good where I am right now. And I never thought it, had another thought about it. And then a week or so passed and one of my best friends sent me the posting and said, Oh, Hey girl, um, this came across my desk and it just, I know you're, you know, I know you're happy, right? You say it all the time. I know you're good, but I just thought this is something you should be interested in. And I said, I did see this. I thought about it. Um, but thank you for sending it along. And again, it just kind of, and it wasn't like a conscious rejection of, of applying for the position, but just life was busy and things got in the way. And I'm, Thought My thoughts moved on to something else, and then another week or so passed, and another friend sent me the same
0: job. And I said, okay, Lord, are you- The Lord was like, girl, you, you are going to listen to me. I was
1: like, okay, Jesus, I hear you. <laughs> so then I said, okay, I will, I said, I can, the least I can do is apply, but that was terrifying for me. You know, to think about, oh my God, I'm so comfortable here. I love these people. They love me. I come to work every day. Like, I'm, I'm happy to see these people. Mm-hmm. why would I go work somewhere else? I don't know anybody. I got to start all over again. I mean, that's just, that's scary. So um, I said, but let me just apply and see what happens. So I applied, and after the first conversation with Bob Slaughter, who is my boss here, he's the chief legal officer, he's an African-American man, um, I I was just so um, intrigued by the position, the company, the growth trajectory that it was on, the industry. I kept thinking about Michelle, who had moved on at this point, telling me, don't be pigeonholed. Um, And I said, wow, I don't necessarily want to do insurance for the rest of my life. This is kind of another industry that I can learn about and get involved in. So um, it was a, you know, things moved pretty rapidly after that first interview, but um, I was just, once I learned more about the company and the industry, I was really just head over heels um, about the role, primarily because my prior job, like I said, I was on a big team. So any issue that came up, someone else had already dealt with it. Mm-hmm. So if something came across my desk and I didn't know how to handle it, I could go talk to Judy or this this person or that person and, and get their insights. Mm-hmm. What excited me about this role is that there was no one else doing what I would be doing. Mm. Um, So the department was much smaller, so I definitely had to take, um, you know, take on a much more complex responsibility within the organization, and that was both daunting and exciting at the same time, Mm -hmm. and I just knew, I said, you know what, Nicole, you can't stay here forever, right? You love these people, right? You were a baby lawyer, and you've kind of grown up with the company, but it's time to move on to something else. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I really felt like the Lord was really opening this door for a reason. Mm-hmm. So. And so you talked about your friends or the people in your network sending you this, like not that you asked. Mm-hmm. How have you, well, how has one, your network, played a role in your career growth and like the development that you have? And how do you cultivate your network? Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, I would say the network
1: largely stemmed from folks that I built relationships with when I was in school. So the first friend who sent me the posting was one of my girlfriends from law school. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one was incidentally someone I worked with at Allstate. Oh. Um, so another peer mm-hmm. um, who had seen the position. And I would say that the network building is so critical and it doesn't necessarily have to be through an industry affiliation, like a bar in my case, like a, lo- a law bar association. It doesn't have to be that, um, that specific, but I have tried to cultivate relationships with women lawyers um, in every facet of my life. So my church, right? There were a lot of the church I attended at the time um, had a lot of um, African-American women lawyers and judges. So um, one of my mentors, um, Judge Sharon Coleman, she sits on the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Illinois. Um, but I met her through church. We served together in the legal ministry at our church. So um, Your church has a legal ministry? It, yeah. It, it, yes. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> awesome. So we had a legal clinic and a legal ministry. So the legal ministry did a lot of um, just programs educating the community about different legal issues. And we um, did a lot of um, work with our youth to give them more exposure to the legal profession to mm. show them that, you know this is a path that is possible for you. So mm-hmm. um, so I met a lot of people through that, um, definitely through bar associations as well. But um, I would say anytime I met a black woman lawyer um, that I didn't know, I tried to connect with them. And rem- as I mentioned before, remain con- connected with people, not just um, in a way that makes people think that you're connected with them because you're concerned about what they can do for you. Mm. But just in a way that you just simply
0: want to understand and learn more about about their path and their story. Got it. And so you mentioned, you know, networking, going to these things, but then you also mentioned that you had a kid in a whole family. So how has the ability to network or how have you approached cultivating your network, making sure that you stay connected with balancing being a whole grown up with a whole family, um, and making sure that you are balanced, right? We talk about mm-hmm. work-life balance all the time. For you, what does that look like? Yeah,
1: so that's, that is that um, is it's a great question. What, what involvement looks like for me today is different than what it looked like before I had kids. So before I had kids, I could go to bar association events and conferences and meet people and get involved, and I could be out at night and go to these dinners and go to these cocktail parties. Now I really don't have the time for that because... Mm-hmm. Um, I always I already struggle with the fact that my kids are in daycare 12 hours a day, mm. right? But by the time I drop them off, commute to work, work a full day, commute home to pick them up, it's a long day for them. So my evenings are precious. I don't really spend as much time as I used to at events and things like that in the evenings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do make it a point during the day to connect with people for lunch or mm-hmm. coffee or tea Um, I make it a point to send emails periodically just to check in, or even a text now. I mean, communication has gotten so much better that now, you know, just dropping someone a text to say, hey, I'm thinking about you, let's get together soon, hope all is well. Mm -hmm. Um, But so i found that I primarily stay connected with people that way. Got it. Which I actually prefer, because it's a much more personal um, connection with people than seeing them out at,
0: like, an industry event. Got it. And were you... Did you give much thought to how having a family would impact your career? As someone who has career, um, lofty career aspirations, was it a a thought? Or was it, I was meant to be a mom, I was having kids regardless.
1: Yeah. Um, I did. I did. I grew up with a mom who worked full time. So I always thought I could do both. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely thought that my career trajectory would be limited that i would only go so far my mom you know was an attorney but um she was never sort of at like an executive leadership level Mm -hmm. right so she was a practicing lawyer and she worked and she tried cases but she was home every day by five and um she was at all of our track meets and basketball games and all of our doctor's appointments and so in my mind i thought okay i can i can be a lawyer but I will never be able to be an executive if I have a family. Mm-hmm. But I think so much of that has changed. I see so many women today that um, are in leadership roles. I look at, I think it's Melissa Mayer, who was the CEO of Yahoo. I mean, she had babies and went on maternity leave while she was a CEO. And um, the
0: I worked for her during that time.
1: Did you really? I I um, Katrina, I'm blanking on her last name, but she's a CEO and founder of Stitch Fix. Um, she's got kids, you know. And so I'm starting to see these women who have just really shattered, I would think, the notion of what it means to be a working mom. That we can we can be leaders and executives and also have children. And so that's been encouraging for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my like I said, it, my time looks different now, but I still, you know, certainly um, have those aspirations and believe that that's possible for me.
0: Got it. Um, We talked a little bit about the development of yourself and um, kind of looking at always learning in a in a a new position. What skills did you think? Do you think that you had to develop in order for you to be successful where you are now? Yeah.
1: One I would say is, um, gosh, not being afraid to ask questions. I think so often we're afraid that. We're gonna say the wrong thing we're gonna you know show that we don't really know what we're talking about or you know people are gonna think that we're stupid and so we're afraid of asking questions and um, someone once told me that your first 90 days on a job you should be a sponge you should be asking as many questions as possible and that's when people are giving you the most grace so there really is no stupid question. Um, so when I came here, I tried to get in as many questions as I could. Anytime something came up that I didn't understand, um, I would say to whether it was a client or, or my boss, I would say, okay, you know what? Um, I didn't understand that. And can you explain that to me? Like I'm a fifth grader. Okay. Mm -hmm. Educate, help educate me on this. And I have found that people really do actually appreciate an opportunity to educate someone on something. Mm -hmm. Um, I just so happen to have a boss who's also a law professor, so he's a natural teacher, and he enjoys taking the time to kind of walk you through things. So that's um, also just a great benefit. But I would say absolutely asking questions and not being afraid to do that because that's how I've really learned and been able to adapt in a new industry for sure. Um, the other skill I would say is not being afraid to do the work that other people um, won't do. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when I was at Allstate, there was um, there was this work that no one, none of the lawyers wanted to do, and it always kind of got pushed down to the most junior lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I came in, the girl who had had it before me was so happy to just kind of get it off her hands. She was like, oh, great. We've got this new junior person. I'm so happy to pass this work off to you. No one wanted to do anything with it. And... Um, When I got the work, I kind of looked at it and said, wow, you know, we've been kind of doing this process this way, and I actually think that there's more we can do with it. And so, it was an area that I think a lot of our business clients were concerned about. Um, They didn't feel like the law department was doing enough um, to, to support them in this particular area. So, I kind of took it and ran with it, and, you know, my manager gave me permission to put more resources behind it and... It ultimately ended up being a big process that we implemented nationwide um, that got me a lot of exposure to our general counsel, a lot of the executive leaders of the different business units. People were thrilled with the work, and I learned a lot in the process. And that's actually what got me my first promotion. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time that they were looking at who to promote, they said, well, wait a second. I remember when Nicole took this work that no one wanted, and here's what she did with it, and here's how the clients have been happy and success, you know, and, and pleased with the success of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's she's deserving of a promotion, and so that was something that um, I probably would not have appreciated before. Mm-hmm. Um, just taking that work that no one wants and, and really making it your own, and, and you know, it, it can certainly
0: create exposure for you that you didn't expect. I think sometimes people don't want to do that because they don't want to make a mistake, right? They don't want to take on the responsibility and then fail in front of everyone. So can you think about a time in your career, it could be now, it could be a long time ago, where you made a mistake that actually ended up turning out to either help in some form of development or in some kind of unintended way that you didn't see? Yeah, 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 gosh.
1: I have made countless mistakes
0: <laughs> in my career, so it's hard to even think about or pick just one. Um, one where you thought, like, yep, it's over for me. Like, we... Yeah, yeah, I don't, yep, yeah, it's, it's done. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, gosh. There's one that I do think about that, that I've learned a lot from. And so with the law, it's always... Um, It's very dynamic, right? It's difficult because any given time with any case that you have, you have to make a decision with the information that you have in front of you at the time and you don't know what the long-term impact of that decision is going to be. So there was a particular case that we had um, that I was working on and um, we had a certain amount of settlement authority to settle the case. But I don't like to give away, you know, I don't want to give away more money than I have to, right? And in this particular case principally, we felt like we were correct. We were in the right. The company hadn't done anything wrong, but we knew that the optics of the case were probably poor. So if we were to take this case to trial, it was going to be a very difficult case for us to to win. Um, So the directive from the business clients was, let's settle the case. Here's your settlement authority. Um, But in my mind, I wanted to deliver them a better result where we settle the case for less than what they had Mm. given me to settle it for. So um, we had a mediation and um, the, um, you know, they were really, the other side was really pushing. They wanted more and more and more. And we actually did get into a range that was within the settlement authority that I have. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm not paying. I know I have this much, but I'm not paying that much for this case. And um, kind of dug my heels in and said, said we weren't going to um, pay more. And we didn't settle the case that day. So we left, and I, I flew back to Chicago, and um, my, my boss said, so, you know, what happened? I said, well, we didn't settle the case. And they said, well, well, where, where did they end up? And I told her where they ended up. And she's like, well, but we have authority for this much. And I'm like, but I don't think we should be paying that much. And she's like, that's not that's not your decision, right? That's not your decision. And I, understand, I agree with you that we shouldn't be paying this much for the case. But um, if this case goes to trial the impact could be much more severe. And so, and the implications for the company could be, um, could be severe. So, um, you need to get on the phone and you need to call them back and you need to tell them, um, you know, that we're going to offer them what they're asking for. We'll pay what they're asking for. So I did, And and it was difficult, um, for me because I had to realize that, um, You know, there are decisions and business decisions that you have to make in your career um, that you may not always agree with. um, But you have to put your sort of personal convictions aside and you have to make decisions, business decisions that are obviously ethical, but in the best interest of the company. Mm -hmm. And so that was definitely one of those times when I had to kind of check myself and say, you know what? Yes, I don't think this person deserves what... What they're asking for but this is what's in the best interest of the company and we have to all move forward
0: guys so you talk briefly about uh personal convictions how you know strongly you felt about something let's talk a little bit about authentic self right because i think mm-hmm. that comes into um into play a lot of the conversations with people women people of color black women exiting corporate Um, is around feeling like you cannot be your authentic self, right? So whether that means that you can't communicate in the style that you're used to, you can't wear your hair the way that you want to, you can't dress the way that you want to, like all the things that limit self-expression within the corporate setting. So for you, one, do you feel like you can be your authentic self? Mm -hmm. You always felt that way. And two, have you seen it change, right? The amount of... the leeway that people have in terms of self-expression and authenticity within corporate? Yeah,
1: I definitely think it's evolved for me. Um, And I will say that, um, you know, my parents, you know, are, you know, the baby boomers, right? So they always told my siblings and I, you know, when you go to a job interview, you need to have your hair done and needs to be straight. Don't have any kind of, you know, wild you know, funky hairstyles. You need to have on a suit. You need to, do, you know, you need to be this very, you know, sort of perfectly well put together, traditional, acceptable, assimilated, mm-hmm. you know, person because that's what corporate is looking for. Um, and so that was kind of what we were always taught, right? And if I was going for an interview, my mom to send me a picture. I want to see what you, you know, make sure your hair is done and you better have some makeup on, and, you know, she just, I mean, they really kind of drilled that into mm-hmm. us, but that was kind of, um, I think that was kind of what they had to do to survive at that time, mm-hmm. um, and so now I think the workforce has evolved. I think that we have seen so many, women of color in leadership positions who have um, evolved and who have ascended in their careers and have been able to do that while being true to themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So I definitely feel that I have more freedom to do that because of other women that have kind of come before me and laid that that groundwork. I talked about Michelle Mays earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, No more perfect example of that than her. Um, You know, obviously one of the most brilliant legal minds I've, I've ever worked with. Um, and I would also say that, you know, her brilliance is probably only matched by her um, authenticity. She okay. is, she has the most bold, beautiful jewelry I've ever seen. I mean, her clothes, her style. I mean, it, it, it really just commands everyone's attention when yeah. she walks into a room. And I love that about her. Um, so that, I would say... Um, just seeing women like that has really helped me um, feel that I could be more true to myself. Um, now, some of my friends will tell you that me being true to myself is pretty boring. You know, they think my friends used to tell me, you know, when we would go to parties like, "Why do you look like a senator in the club? I mean, you, why are you wearing a blazer?" And you know, I mean, so that, but that was just, that's just me. You know, yeah. I mean, that's I, I wear blazers and. Um, I'm she has on a blazer now. Blazer. I have on a blazer now. Um, I have probably had the same hairstyle since I was in middle school. So, you know, I've, I've never really been um, that exciting, I
0: guess <laughs> my friends would say. It is a great blazer, people. I know you can't see her right now, it's not a boring blazer. <laughs> Has a little flair to you. it. Thank, it's got no elbow, elbow patches. patches. Thank, you. Thank you. Right, like she's—it's so. not a normal just black blazer. So she's progressing, guys. I,
1: she's progressing. I am progressing. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. So I. So I, I'm sure my friends would would probably tell you that um, my style is pretty boring. In any case, but um, but yeah, I definitely feel that I can be more authentic. And I think generally people have to do what is true for them, what they're comfortable with, what they can rock. Right, like. I can't, I see women who can rock faux locks and it looks amazing. I don't think I could look amazing with faux locks. I just, I don't think I would. Um, you got to find a style that fits with you, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think we're in an age now where women can do that and feel more, most comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, as long as, um, as long as you carry yourself, right, in a way that people know that, you know, you... Don't mean, you know, you mean business, right? Mm -hmm. And you're, you know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You're you're well-groomed in any case, however you're wearing your hair Mm -hmm. or whatever you're wearing on your body, Mm -hmm. right? I think that's what's important and that's what um, most people are looking for. So, you know, I've heard, I have, you know, heard some people say, well, I think that You know, I can't wear braids, for example, in the workplace, or I can't wear my hair naturally, curly in the workplace. And I don't think we, I think we've progressed beyond that. Um,
0: Hopefully. At least I I like to hope so. Um, And then, do you ever think about the stereotypes, right? Like, uh, or avoiding them, like making sure that you're not the angry black woman or seeing that you're too aggressive or in your communication style? Is Mm -hmm. that something that you think about?
1: Yeah, you know... uh, if I'm being honest, I think I have thought about that mm-hmm. um, because I do and it's it's difficult for me in my role because I'm in a, a legal role, and a lot of my work has been in the litigation context where you have to be um, a very zealous advocate where you have to be very assertive and you can't be a pushover and if I'm at a mediation, I have to be very firm um, about you know, my client's positions and things like that. So I think it's difficult because you you always want to strike the right balance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, generally speaking, it's important to um, still be authentic in, t- in terms of who I am and my mm-hmm. style. Um, yes, I have thought about it. It's crossed my mind, you know, in particular where people do things that really kind of push you over the edge. You know, I have... Um, A much more um, senior-than-me lawyer that I was negotiating a contract with, and um, apparently he had looked me up and looked at my background and said, oh, well, I see you've only been working for your company for two years. This is when I had, um, not soon after I had started with the company I'm with, but he said, oh, I see you've only been there for two years, and so you probably, and you've only been practicing since, you know, 2007, so... You know, I've been doing this for a really long time. And so you probably, you know, in so many words, don't know what you're talking about. Mm. Um, And, you know, I really had to sort of rein in my inner, (laughs) my inner sister, because I said, wow, like. The audacity. How disrespectful. Um, And he continued to make little, you know, snide comments throughout our discussion and to Be disrespectful, to cut me off, to not let me finish my sentence. And finally, I said, you know what? But I think generally that's what people want. They want to see you off your square, Mm -hmm. right? And so finally, I said, you know what? This conversation is unprofessional. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to end the conversation. If you want to, I said, we want to have your client here working for us, and we want to make this work. But I'm not going to have this discussion with you. So if we can't be respectful, then we're going to have to end this call. I said, we can disagree without being disagreeable. I got that from um, my, my, my favorite past president, um, Obama. We can disagree without being disagreeable. Mm-hmm. So if you want to have this call, let's have it. But you're going to let me finish what I'm saying, and I'm going to let you finish what you're saying. And he was quiet, and he said, go
0: ahead. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> um, so last question before the lightning round. Um, so entrepreneurship is very popular right now, right? Yes. A lot of people are doing it. Um, what keeps you in corporate
1: Hmm. um probably going back to what my friends will tell you about me is that i'm boring um i think entrepreneurship excites me but i think um i need i'm one of those people that has to have a constant sense of stability right it scares me to think about i got two kids i got student loans you know my husband's also an attorney he has student loans like We can't be out here without a consistent, steady stream of income. Mm -hmm. So that's something that definitely um, is always in the back of my mind that, you know, at least my perception of entrepreneurship is that it's feast or famine, right? You know, either you're knocking it out of the park or maybe not at all. And Mm -hmm. so it's difficult to really plan for that. I also think um, it's often difficult for people of color to get into entrepreneurship because generally there's so much upfront capital required mm-hmm. and unless you have a sponsor or someone who's willing to kind of bring you in mm-hmm. um, and kind of really help you get grounded in that sense, it can be difficult to do that. So I think what keeps me in corporate is just, um, yeah, really feeling that sense of trepidation about um, not having the, the um, consistency that I feel I need for to have a young family. Once my kids get a little older, I might ask me that question. I might have a different answer.
0: Okay. Um, so this is the lightning round. Don't mm-hmm. overthink the questions. Literally, just the first thing that um, comes to mind. The first question is, what's one piece of career advice that you've gotten that, wish, that you wish you'd have gotten earlier in your career? I
1: wish I would have gotten earlier, earlier
0: in my career.
1: Um, I would say the don't, uh, I would say, always
0: keeping one oar in the water. That, listen, that is a tweetable, quotable, Instagramable, I am not know, words to live by. Have one oar in the water. Always have one oar in the water. Mm. What's the career lesson that took you the longest to learn, but has had the biggest impact on your career?
1: Hmm. I would say not being afraid to take that leap. Um, stepping outside of your comfort zone
0: and knowing that when you're comfortable, that's when it's time to go. Mm. What's the one book that's either had the biggest impact on your career or that you could read over and over again?
1: Who, Give and Take by Adam
0: Grant. Okay, um, yeah. And then the last one, we mentioned this earlier, but a lot of career decisions are made when you're not in the room, mm-hmm. right? So for you, what do you hope people are saying about you when you're not in the room? Gosh, um, that
1: uh, hopefully, of course, that, that they view me as capable and smart and bright and thoughtful mm-hmm. but I would say most importantly someone um, that leads with an ethic of integrity mm-hmm.
0: yeah. integrity and hard working yes. and killing it yes. but don't try her yeah. because <laughs> <laughs> Nicole thank you so much for talking to me today yes um, thank you you dropped a lot of gems uh, I'm thinking about my whole life right now but uh, <laughs> thank you and I'm sure that this will be useful to all the women who listen
1: thank you so much I appreciate the opportunity
0: And it's my hope that you got as much from the conversation with her as I did. If you want to keep the conversation going, join us in our Facebook group, I Choose the latter. And until next time, thank you for listening.